Welcome to Banshee Radio. No, Lopez Radio, episode 389, part one, with our buddy, Banshee Radio. Um, we recorded this uh, a couple weeks ago, and we just wanted to, I don't know, get back together. We watched a, a documentary called Radio Unnameable, and we wanted to get together and talk. Um, so I'm now doing the intro because we, as we do, we just crack the mics and start talking. No formalities, no nothing. So at Lopez Radio to follow me, at Banshee underscore radio on Twitter to follow that guy right there, Banshee. Um, you also, you also want to check out his podcast. He's bringing back, he brought back already. Uh, I'll have a link in the description of the podcast, or if you're watching this on YouTube, I'll have it down below in the description. This is part one. We went for a long time, like three hours and 45 minutes, so I split it into two pieces. Uh, in part one, we talk about Stevie Wonder as he relates to the YouTube algorithm. We also talk about Banshee's return to podcasting. Uh, airline flights uh, and the public since the pandemic. Uh, Bob Fast and Radio Unnameable, of course. And some other things here. School systems, because we have kids, so we talked about that a little bit. Perception of socioeconomics as a kid, or lack thereof, in some people's cases. Uh, pandemic kids forming a personality. That's all in part one of Lopez Radio, so I really hope you do enjoy what you hear here. And stick around for part two on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. Rate, review, subscribe, and enjoy. Don't ever wear glasses. Yeah, just just live without being able to see. Run into shit all the time. Just feels terrible. Just be Stevie Wonder. I mean, he made it all right. I'm, I'm I know many a non-blind person that would love Stevie Wonder's life. I, I think he made it pretty good for himself without being able to see. Um, do you think? Do you think that Stevie Wonder would be Stevie Wonder if he could see? Yeah. Probably he'd be a lazy asshole. Like, losing his sight gave him the motivation to be something bigger than himself. I don't know. Probably. He'd probably still, like, write really banging music. You think he would? You don't have that kind of polyrhythm trapped inside of your body and have your sight affect it. Well, it's kind of crazy how... Um. But he is cut. We we do cut him some slack because he can't see. Yeah. Like, if you fuck something up, you're like, well, but he can't see. Come on. Yeah, cut the guy a break, right? So he may have he may have gotten a few more breaks than... You almost wonder if, like, you were, you'd be given that talent in a different situation, right? Like, maybe the fact that he was blind led him to tap into his talent to do what he does, right? Because he wasn't able to do as a young kid, you know, because he was, he was whole life blind, whole life blind, right? I, I I don't know Stevie Wonder's life story, but suffice to say, I imagine that if you lose your sight, um, the job market for you is cut rather thin. <laughs> There's, yeah. I'm missing a lot of stuff. And, and so I imagine that, I mean, and I guess it should be no surprise to anyone who loses their sight that they go into a profession of auditory, right? I mean, yeah. that's, that's a, that's an easy, uh, line to connect there, isn't it? It's an easy line to connect, but like you can do things that are, that are all auditory that aren't music though, right? Like you can you could run a fucking elevator. Sure. But I'm just saying, 
There's a lot of blind people that aren't Stevie Wonder is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, and they're on government assistance. True. Not doing anything. I mean, not, not being... We should be grateful that Stevie Wonder pulled himself by the bootstraps and, uh, you know, didn't need a handout. We should, we should all try to be more like Stevie Wonder. What do you think the top Stevie Wonder... Like, when I hit search on YouTube, what's the uh, top Stevie Wonder? Probably that uh, very superstitious... Writings on the wall. Or like Stevie Wonder as. What is as? I have no idea. Sir Duke? Uh Sir Duke. Dum 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 Yeah. You can feel it all over. Oh yeah. Superstitions like I'm not counting this uh, this playlist, this greatest hits at yeah, the yeah, top. Don't, don't, you don't count. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven down. Well, how many views? 14 million views. Yeah, 14 million views. Come on. Get the fuck out of here. 14 million views. Well, wait. Below that, 161 million views. I, I don't understand YouTube. Yeah, well, the algorithm bumps the ones that have the most comments to the top. So, like... That's why normally when you search for something, like if you search for like Stevie Wonder and like very superstitious, for example, the very first couple you, that you'll get will be the song itself, like an album version or something along those lines. Yeah. But then the next ones down, those will be the ones where it's like, watch Stevie Wonder with Elton John playing very superstitious at the 1980 Oscars or watch uh, um, like Prince and, you know, whoever do... Sir Duke at the you know the 1993 Grammys or the Stevie Wonder Rock and Roll Hall of Fame induction you'll get stuff like that cuz that gets a lot of comments a lot of and comments is what drives YouTube traffic more than anything else that's why everybody who posts a YouTube channel is asking you to comment below what you think hey what do you think I should do in my next video they don't yeah. give two fucking shits what you think you should they do just in want the, the engagement video. they want the engagement 100% All right, so the second one down is actually superstition, but it's a live version. But it only has seven hundred fifty-three k views. All right, so let's compare. But it, Li live version has how many comments? Let's see. Uh, five hundred ninety-eight comments. All right, so so look at the top comment. How many thumbs up does the top comment have? Seven hundred twenty-six. Okay, so now let's go to the other video. It's it's not even a video. It's just it's just still. It, it should be a still image. It's, with the, it's with off the, the Stevie Wonder official. Uh -huh. YouTube channel. It's the official Stevie Wonder YouTube channel. Okay. It's the album art. How many views does it have? It has, this one has about 14 million views. 14 million. So yeah, the other one had like, so not even 1 million, right? Right. Not even 1 million. Right. But now what's the top comment? Uh, so 353 comments. Uh, -huh. uh top comment has 359 thumbs ups. Yeah. Way less engagement. So How does. And like, I'm sure. So like, so like, th that's the other weird thing is like when you're on YouTube, like the main YouTube homepage, right? And it shows you those weird videos. Like it shows you the videos of the Brazilian girl long jumping. Yeah. And you're like, I have never watched women's long jumping ever. The in Brazilian my life. girl with an amazing ass long but, jumping. But yeah. all the comments, it's got hundreds of comments that all are like that ass. Yeah. <laughs> and that's how it gets bumped up in front of you. And so, like, it's all about – this is something I've recently discovered about the algorithms because it it there are a lot of really complex, really cool things happening on in the background. But at the very basic, it's engagement. 
Yeah. So whatever you're engaging in, so if you comment... Whatever made you press a button. If you comment on any video, if you hit a thumbs up or a thumbs down on any video, you are telling the algorithm, thank you, sir, may I have another? Even thumbs downs. I was going to ask you... Um, before we got started, yeah, yeah, because I, I listened to, I was catching up on Banshee Radio. Welcome back, by the way. Thank you. It's I'm having a, I'm having fun. I just did episode four of this new quote unquote season today, uh, so I've got six more episodes before I totally lose interest in it and quit doing it again. But what do you like? All right, so sorry, I noticed real quick. Let's see, Banshee Radio. All right, so on. On Google, one, <laughs> two, three, four, five down, uh-huh. just after the images for Banshee Radio, Apple Podcasts. Um, now, I noticed it's not on Spotify anymore. What is? It was not, well. It was, and now it's gone, because it, it was in my saved shows. So, I was using a hosting th- platform called Podomatic, mm-hmm. which I think Facebook bought, which is now probably Meta. Regardless, Zuckerberg owns you. Um, but from what I can tell, not a lot of people use this Podomatic service, which is fine. Slick Schultz used it. That's that's who turned me on to it was was Nick. And uh, so I uh, I've been using it, and then I took like a two year hiatus from the podcast, and that's fun when you're trying to log back into shit and like remember passwords and stuff. Sure. A lot of resetting passwords, checking emails, verifying. Well, it took me 30 minutes to remember the name of the podcast that, like, the name, I, I could not remember the name of the website that I was hosting my podcast on. I had to, I had to literally, like, just go into my Google Gmail and just start hunting for, like, emails that looked like they made sense. And, like, who is this coming from? And I was like, oh, yep, that's right. What's the spread here? What's the spread? But uh, when was your when was your last episode? I did before, before the revival. Before, before the revival, it was like two years. It was longer, like no, because it was it, my last episode was like nineteen, eighteen, wasn't it? What was it? You're looking at it. Oh, I was like, is that my machine? It was. It was it's yeah, yeah. a hairdryer. Um, December fourteenth, twenty eighteen. 18, yeah. 2018. Yeah. Well, and, and the end of 2018. Super pre-pandemic. Yeah. No, it was pre-pandemic. Truthfully, if I wasn't in the middle of also building a house in the middle of the pandemic, I probably would have recorded a lot more podcasts in the middle of the pandemic. But that's not the way that it, it uh, jimmied up. Yeah. Uh, apologies to anyone listening. If you hear uh, machinery in the background. Uh, my wife's drying her hair at 10.30 at night. Hey, you cannot go to bed with a wet head. That's what my grandmother always told me. I understand, but what I don't understand is... <clears throat> Your wife had all goddamn day to do this? Right now? <laughs> right now? Come on. No, it's, it's the perfect time to do it. You know what? I just Bob Fast has... And we're going to talk about Bob Fast tonight. Oh, yeah. Um, Bob Fass has kind of let me know that it doesn't really matter. As long as you're, as long as you are putting the voice out there, 
It doesn't matter what's happening around it, right? Well, I am I'm for the a, most part. For I'm the a, most part, I'm a hundred convinced. I'm a hundred percent convinced that it is my version of going to the gym. It's what? a workout. Doing the podcast. It's a workout. Yeah, and you you work out your mind. It's it's no different than how uh uh, uh, uh God bless America. Stephen King, how he talks about if you want to be a writer, you have to write every day. Mm. I imagine if you want to play guitar for a living every day, you have to wake up and grab the guitar and spend an hour and a half with it, two hours with it. If you want to... I I would venture to say just spend any amount of time with it because I think that's usually like when people are talking about, oh, I'm starting working out Monday, blah, blah, blah. It's like, well, why don't you just go walk like for 30 minutes right now? But it's it's all an exercise and it it gets me going and it's... And and just like the gym, sometimes I'm like, I do not want to fucking do this today. Mm. And then and you make yourself do it, and you don't produce as good as you want. When you when you create on the days that you don't want to create, sometimes you'll catch that lightning in a bottle, right? Sometimes that that that's when like your creativeness can be the most rich is mm-hmm. when you don't when you're kind of forcing yourself to do it. Is yeah. when you can kind of be weird, right? But most of the time, when you force yourself, you just—it's not going to be as good. But you do it anyway, right? You you do the good reps and you do the bad reps. All reps are good reps, and that's the that's the—I don't know—that's the the way I've been taking it. This next this new time around, every time around, I kind of like try to have a mindset behind what motivates me. And this is just this is me going to the gym. Yeah, and I'm gonna just try to keep doing it, um, and maybe I'll make it past ten episodes. Maybe I might get a twenty or thirty this time. Who knows? But routine helps. But I think like it's interesting because the way the way you do Banshee Radio, and of course the way life throws things at any of us, right? I think the fact that you've just got this home base to go to when you're ready to go to it is really helpful. It's really. Like it's not like you're starting from scratch, right? Oh, n- most definitely. Because I was when I when I first found the when I went to reboot it and I had to find the, the 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 hosting service and all of that. I re I re listened to some of the really older episodes that I did when I first started, and the whole format of the podcast was very different than what I've got myself into today. Mm. And I I think I've figured out like. Uh, like it's taken me a couple of years to figure out like what kind of Mexican restaurant or Chinese restaurant or steakhouse, like what kind of, what kind of thing I want to put together, the format, the formula. It's taken me a couple of years to figure out like, this is the bare minimum equipment I need to get this done. And this is, this is the, the production flow that gets it from, from cradle to grave the easiest. So, I mean, it's, that's taken me a lot of time. And and now that I figured that out, right. Uh, then obviously the rest of it should be easier. If you're a writer and you all you do is write on a typewriter, uh, the sooner you can figure out how to make that typewriter sing, the sooner you can really you know flex your muscles as far as the creative writing goes. And it, it all I I, I kind of like all content creation to me. I kind of link back towards creative writing because mm-hmm. I feel like 
Well, I've been to class. I've gone to like creative writing classes. We've all seen like those creative writing classes, whether they're at a technical community college that you went to or in high school or something along those lines. We we all have been taught those things. We've all seen what that looks like. Yeah. And the the practices there are can translate to just about anything creative. Right? I mean just Yeah. And 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 the the number one thing is just to do it every day. Do it as often as possible. Just make just keep making. Yeah, well, I think it's it's that. I think it's just familiarity. I think while maybe you haven't been creating this whole time, this whole, you know, four and a half years, whatever it is, right? It's still what you've done doesn't go away from you. You know, what you, you know, knowing, okay, well, I still know that X, Y, Z doesn't work, right? So I won't do that. But you've also got, you've got the, the, You've got the benefit of, I mean, I say benefit, but you do travel a lot. Mm-hmm. So you get the opportunity to take in a lot of content, right? So you know what works for you. And so you know that if it doesn't work for you, it's probably not worth doing. Does that make sense? That's, like, that's the other thing I've started to do is every podcast that I publish, I listen to probably twice, if not three times. Before you post it or after you post after. it? After. Yeah. As enjoyment. Like you I put I, it in the rotation. Yeah. Okay. And which is something I didn't used to do. Like I didn't want to listen to myself. Yeah. And you hear a lot of people talk about like uh you hear a lot of actors and you they, they talk about, hey, how did you like your last movie? And it's like I don't watch my movies. Right? A lot of actors will talk talk like that, right? You'd be surprised how many people are on Twitch or are or do podcasting and they hate the sound of their own voice. Right. It's, it's, I mean, there's honestly, there's even singers like that. They just don't like hearing their own stuff. And I can understand why that can kind of be cringe to listen to yourself, ham it up or listen to yourself, try to do a bit. Mm. Right. Especially when I'm, I'm with me podcasting by myself, I, I, I'm, it might be different. Like in this situation with a guest, I may not listen to this podcast cause that's just relieving a conversation I had with you and that's different. Yeah. But because I do it by myself or whatever, I've the the, the focus is I want to make. I appreciate that, by the way. What I appreciate that. Go ahead. <laughs> For what? <laughs> <laughs> Having you on gives me one less person listening. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Go ahead. J- just for that, I'm going to download everything I can. <laughs> Thank you. I'm I'm not going to listen to you on Spotify or Apple Music. I'm going to find every other. Um, podcast app <laughs> i appreciate your engagement on uh android uh, android cast or whatever yeah. it is pocket casts <laughs> man uh your your numbers have really gone up on jcast it's amazing what, what is jcast yeah there's uh, so many that i haven't even heard of i'm like no one listens on this right it's, anyway i'm sorry you were saying you you don't listen to like something but, like this well but i mean i will listen to this because i do I'm not trying to guilt you into it. No, but I do have like the sense of narcissism. Like yeah. I want to look at myself in the mirror and, but I'm not much to look at, but I do think that I say and sound interesting and would like to hear myself again. Like, it's that narcissism in me, I guess. I don't know. Nothing wrong with it. But no, I create a podcast that I want to listen to. Right. And like, and I, I'll make it. And then like with the, the thought and intent that I get to, Hey, I've got a 45 minute drive on Monday. I'm going to pop the podcast in and it's going to be great. That is the one thing that is the one thing I miss about having a commute 
Yeah. Dude, I, I just don't have a commute anymore. It takes me a couple days to get through a, a one Bill Burr podcast. <laughs> you know? It, it is. It is. I wish the airport was a lot closer than an hour and a half, two hours. So that when I have to fly somewhere, I don't have to drive so far to the Atlanta airport. Mm-hmm. I, I would love for the Atlanta airport to be in Gwinnett. Wouldn't that be nice? Mm, imagine. Or like Cobb County. Like, you know. Imagine that. You don't have to go all the way to the other end of Atlanta. But uh, whatever. Mm. But yeah, it is nice having that time to listen to a podcast. And Is it nice having that time? But it's But it's... But do you, much like myself, do you prefer... You'd prefer just to have the 10-minute commute. Oh, I would much rather have the 10-minute commute. <laughs> Absolutely. It's so great. But Well, the stress of the two-hour commute to the Atlanta airport to catch an airplane mm. is like, okay, so I'm catching an airplane. My airplane leaves at 12 o'clock. So I want to be at the airport at like 1030-ish so that I can get my bag checked and get through security. Right. So that means at an hour and a half, and I want to be there at 1030, I should leave at 9 but really, I should leave at 8 o'clock. Why did I give myself a whole other hour? Because there could be a wreck or traffic. And there's two different ways from my house to get to the airport, two very different routes. But the problem is, is once you pick one, you're committed to it. Yeah. there's no, It's not in between. Yeah. You can't just like, I'm going to switch to the other one. Right. And and if there's a wreck, you're stuck. You're just, you're just bad stuck. And that's, and that's driving to the other side of Atlanta. No matter how you cut it, it's... If there's a wreck or something goes wrong, it's just it's you're gonna embrace the suck, and so that just injects anxiety into my brain because I'm driving and I know I have to catch an airplane. Yeah, like if I was just driving to work, like to a nine to five, and I was stuck in that traffic, and I oh I'm gonna be twenty minutes late to work, or I'm gonna be an hour late to work, I wouldn't give a fuck. And and if my supervisor kept coming to me and said, "Hey, you need to make a more concerted effort to try to get here on time," I'd be like, "I hear you loud and clear, boss. I will do," and I won't. And go fuck himself. Mm-hmm. But catching an airplane's a little bit different, right? You can't tell Delta to go fuck themselves. No, they can tell you to go fuck yourself. Really easy. Yeah, yeah. It's oh, very yeah. easy. Uh huh. <laughs> <laughs> that that door closed. <laughs> <laughs> yep. That door closes. You know, you hear you hear that old dot matrix printer going, and you're like, you see the ten people that are on the that are on the standby list, and they're like, they're like, yes, and you're like, oh, I tell them to go fuck themselves, please, yeah, yeah, Smith Smith comma J really wants you to tell them to go fuck themselves because he is next on the list, absolutely. So that's I just wish I didn't have that anxiety in my life. Yeah, but that's. That's neither here nor there. Does it but, get better? It gets better, though. Like, I mean, not better, but I mean, you just... Okay. There's getting better, right? And then there's just being numb to it. Well, no, I... It. It, it's an acceptance. I add an hour, hour and a half to it. Okay. So what ends up happening then is I get to the airport. Instead of an hour and a half before my flight leaves, I'll get the airport like two and a half hours before my flight leaves. Yeah. And it sucks because I don't like spending time at an airport either. Terrible. But it's it's a different kind of anxiety. We just flew for the first time about a month ago, three weeks ago. With the with the kid or no, just you? Just us. Okay. First flight since before uh-huh. pandemic. Uh-huh. Hadn't been on an airplane. Um just hadn't needed to. Yeah. I mean my last trip was my last trip 
by myself was to PAX in Boston in 2020, February of 2020, right? Right, right. Literally the nut hair before the shutdown, right? Right. That was the last thing before it shut down. And uh, I got to say, like, I'm kind of, nothing felt like it really changed. No. But I didn't participate in any of that time period where it was all weird and different. I think we, we had gone long enough that. Yeah, nobody was, wears masks on airplanes anymore. Well, you used, don't have empty flight. Like, everyone's back to flying. Like, oh, it didn't, yeah. it felt like there was no difference at all. So, I mean, like, I flew through it. Yeah, you got the, you got empty, empty flights, didn't you? And I never had an empty flight, but like I would have no middle seats. For the longest time, there was no middle seats. There was no beverage service. And we were like, are they ever bringing beverage service back? Like that, that was the, that was the big thing. Cause because you, when you fly a whole lot, it behooves you to pick an airline to fly the same airline over and over again. So you can maximize making your airline points so that you can make the points work for you. Mm. So once you do that, you then establish status with a certain airline and status gives you a bit of air of, uh, assholery, I guess. I don't yeah, know. You're better than a few people. Right. Whenever you're stratified into anything. And they tell you that you're a diamond, and that person is not. Yeah, Rihanna, you yeah. shine bright. You're good. So, for the longest time there, like we were, I was getting free upgrades to Comfort Plus, and I'm sitting in the aisle seat. And the only difference between Comfort Plus and Delta and Economy is the seat's supposed to be a little bit bigger. And uh, you get on a little bit earlier. And and if you had a tape measure, it might be a little bit bigger. And you get to get on a little bit earlier. And when you get on an airplane, matters a hill of dicks to me. Getting off. Because, well, getting off can matter. Because, like, if you had a piss and you're in the very back of the airplane, you're like, fuck, this sucks. Like, it's coming out of your eyeballs, right? Mm. Being on the front of the airplane's nice. But then, you, then you're standing at fucking baggage claim forever because you're the first guy off the airplane, mm-hmm. right? It all evens out. It does. And that's as long as you I, don't have to piss, it evens out. And, and that's why I don't care about it. That's, like, life, though, right? As long as you don't have to piss... It all evens out. But if you got a piss, that that throws a monkey rich into things. Yeah. No, but I it, it's Can I name an episode as long as you don't have to piss? It evens out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> all right, I'm writing it down. Go ahead. Go ahead. But it was um Yeah, we were like, "Hey, I'm Comfort Plus, and the, the big the big uh to do there that you do is they they give you free booze." Yeah. If they come by more than once. And in, well, even if they come by once, you still get free booze. And we were sitting there, height of the pandemic, no middle seat, and we're all like, hey, where the fuck's our booze at? <laughs> and they're like, you're going to die flying on an airplane yeah. from a virus. And we're like, yeah, but- I'd rather be drunk. At least I'll be drunk. Where's my booze at? Yeah. And then once the masks started getting lifted, I still wore masks on airplanes. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't wear masks at airports as much, but I still wore them at, on airplanes. And then I just stopped wearing masks altogether. Mm-hmm. Well, no, the other day I had to pick my wife up. She had a medical procedure done. And the girl up front said that masks are required. And I said, absolutely. If you have a mask I can borrow. And she, well, not, you know, borrow, but you know what I mean. And she gave me a mask. And I have, I mean, I'm not one of those guys where like masks are bad. I'm not. Oh yeah. Me either. Yeah. It, to me, it's all solidarity. Sure. It's, it's just solidarity. Or it, just knowing where you're going to be. You said like, you know, picking her up from a procedure. I had to go visit someone at the hospital last week. I'm like. Yes, this is where people are sick. I don't, I'm bringing my germs in from the outside. Of course, I'm going to put on a mask. That's fine. 
But I will say the first time I didn't wear a mask on an airplane, I got a respiratory infection. Yeah. It wasn't COVID or nothing, but it, Good su- job. it sucked. And I was like, <laughs> I'm thinking to myself, like, maybe. <laughs> maybe. Maybe there was something to this whole mask thing. Maybe these masks really did do stuff. <laughs> Perhaps. Um, I, I don't know. It, it doesn't matter at this point. It's behind us, I guess. You think, uh, just before we get too far away from it, I know that like there was this whole thing as people started going back to flying public events, sporting events, stuff like that. There were a lot of videos of people being belligerent, not knowing how to behave around others. Um, I have a theory about that. Being, here's, here's, here's what I'm wondering. And I'm, I'm hoping, I'm hoping I'm not about to step all over your theory. You think the airlines did it to themselves by passengers knowing they wouldn't have beverages on the plane, so they just got really loaded before they got on the plane. That has nothing to do with it. You don't think that has a little bit to do with it? No. Like, All right, I'm, let's, I'm let's riding Comfort about- Plus, and I'm not going to get my, my Jack and Coke, so I'm going to have like two, or I'm going to have like five of them before I get on the plane. Let's talk about branding and what. Let's talk about branding and let's talk about stereotypes. Okay. So I'm going to throw out a couple of brands, and I want you to think about stereotypes, okay? Yep. We're going to start Lowe's, Home Depot. Okay, stereotypes of the, the people that go there? Okay, so what are the stereotypes of the people that shop at Lowe's versus the people that shop at Home Depot? Both are fine hardware Ooh. stores. Both have the same thing, almost identical in both stores. But they're very different stores. I think we can agree on that. They are They are very different stores. It's hard for me to cast that because I worked at one for a little while. And oh. then... I've worked at both. Here, let's back it up a little bit. Okay. Let's pick, let's pick two other large chains. Please. Let's go Walmart and Target. Mm. I think you get where I'm going here. Hot moms and, you know, mm-hmm. not so hot moms. <laughs> So, okay. so when we talk about when you saw all those those fights and all that horrible stuff that was going on, it was going on Spirit Airlines, mm. United Airlines, American Airlines. When did American Airlines get so it, it, run down? Oh, it's always been, but like two thousand four ish was like they never recovered from nine eleven. No, never forget American. Never, but like Delta. Southwest. Uh, what's the other um, like blue chip or something? Jet Blue. Jet Blue. That's the one. Blue chip. Shaquille O'Neal. Nick yeah, Nolte. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yes. Thank you. Um, you don't. You don't see those incidents happening on those flights. And so I just. It's. I've flown United. I've flown. Not never. Not well. There were some Southwest ones. Southwest is. Well, Southwest rides the line between those they two do. groups. You they talked really about. do. They really do. You know, you're going to be on a on the plane with the right. You, they're go, not charging as much as everyone else. Let's talk about that. No, like, no, they're not. No. They're not charging Spirit prices, but they're not charging Delta prices. Well, I'll ride a plane from Denver to Atlanta on United. Yeah, and we'll land in Atlanta, and the people in the back of the airplane are going to play music on their cell phone without headphones. That's enraging. And uh, when you get on the airplane, nobody's sitting in their assigned seat. They're just sitting kind of where they want, next to their friend or whatever. Right? Mm. Where versus Delta, you don't get that. Now, I... Unless you pay, unless you pay for, for seat picking, yes, right? Right, but, but 
And again, I'm coming off as a pompous asshole, like a first world, you know, whatever, right? Yeah, no, no, no. Just and, and I'm not trying it. to say that like flying on Delta is riding in a limo and flying on United Airlines is flying on like the old dirty bus with the chickens in the back. <laughs> right? Yeah, you know, sharing your space with a goat. I got gotcha. you. I mean, they're all they're all pretty much the same at the end of the day. Uh, but I do have a preference. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and you'll notice those fights don't happen. You'll, you'll notice those fights happen on the same airline. And it attracts the same. But we saw that same thing when we were in Europe. There's a company called Ryanair. Mm. And they, they give away tickets for virtually free. You'll pay like a flight from Stansted to Frankfurt was $5. And you paid fifteen dollars in tax, so altogether you paid twenty five dollars to puddle jump. Yeah. Now uh, you had no checked luggage. If you wanted to check a bag, that was another hundred dollars. You had no in flight f- service at all. Sounds like spirit. Uh, the seats themselves were more like instead of like nice cushion seats. Do you know what I mean when I say like plastic bus seats? Yes, I do. That's what the seats were like. It's it's only it's only it's not even an upgrade from a good metal folding chair, because at least a good metal folding chair can can like be contoured in a way, right? Oh like, no, no, this is like the plastic fiberglass is contoured like a normal airline chair, but sure. it's a plastic chair. Like they can is it easily, like it's it like, like a chair. It's like a chair. Off. <laughs> it's like a chair in a in an arcade race game. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. <laughs> Cruising USA, right? No, I mean, and the joke was when you got, and here's the other thing: when you when you boarded Ryanair, there was no assigned seats. So I just ran for the seats. So there was like boarding group one and boarding group two. And when you boarded Ryanair, the way it worked was that you would walk past the gate agent; they would scan your ticket. You would then walk downstairs onto the tarmac, and then as you're walking down the stairs onto the tarmac, you're still kind of in a line. And then you come up, and then you have a decision to make: Do you want to board the aircraft? on the front or the rear it splits and then once you get on an aircraft once you get on the aircraft as well it's like it's a it's a frenzy to get a it's seat it's a buffet yeah yeah, sure. yeah you know and so it was flying Ryanair is definitely an experience if you're ever in Europe it's it's perfect it is perfect for any struggling college student or 30 something that wants to go to Europe because the, the ticket from Atlanta to Germany is probably $1,200 a round trip, right? Mm. But then once you're there in Germany, plane tickets, train tickets to get from Germany to Switzerland to Belgium to Paris to Madrid to Italy, all of that is ridiculously inexpensive to get around once you're there. And it's oh, it's great, and it's it's an experience. I know I've, I've I haven't done a great job of selling Ryanair, but I would absolutely if it was just me. Now I did it with myself, my wife, and like my infant daughter to Italy. Jesus Christ, it was a little, it was a little rough. Yeah. <laughs> um, but if it was just me, yeah, you're just yeah. There's a lot of stuff I'd do if it was just me. And if it was just me and the wife. There's a lot of I, I, there's not. A whole lot of things that I would do just me that I wouldn't do just me and the wife. Oh, well, yeah. It steps up, right? Like, okay, we can handle this because we can run. Like, we can run. Infant can't run, so we can't handle this. No. <laughs> like, I, I was, I'll be honest, um, 
I'm going to TwitchCon in in October, and they're having it in Vegas. I know. I'm thinking about going myself. Ooh, this would be fun. Me and Sean I, are going. I'm debating it. Yeah. Um, I probably ha- I think I have a place to stay regardless, but yeah. Okay, we'll talk about it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was looking, and I was like, God, it's expensive to fly now. Mm-hmm. And even like Southwest, which used to be like that's the way you got to Vegas, easy. Easy money, easy trip. They kind of handle their crowd, right? It's still, what, a $700 ticket, isn't it? Exactly. To have a refundable ticket. Because, I mean, this far out, you never know what's going to happen, right? You might have to refund it, right? Um, I, uh, this is the first time I was like, I was like, I'm going by myself. I've never flown Spirit Air before. Maybe we'll try it. (laughs) Maybe we see what happens. It's me by myself. I've never flown Spirit myself either. If, if that's what you're thinking about doing, though, you may want to find out where you're staying. And a day before, like FedEx overnight yourself. Your bags. Some stuff. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm not doing it. I end up with Delta. But there I mean, listen, I've kind of decided, especially after going to Chicago, I've kind of decided that I'm in that... I've reached that point in my life. I know, I know I'm not first class, right? I know I'm not first class guy. Comfort plus guy. I can be comfort plus guy. <laughs> I, look, there's nothing wrong with the comfort plus life. I, From a guy that flies every flight comfort plus, it doesn't matter. It, it just Versus main cabin? Yeah, it doesn't versus matter. Versus the animal area? It doesn't matter. The, what, what matters the most are the long flights. So those are the flights from like LAX to New York or LAX to Atlanta, those long ones. Las Vegas is almost there for foreign for change, right? Yeah, but they don't put those planes on the Las Vegas flights. The, I'm talking about the nice planes where first class, you everyone gets their own suite, and then business class, you get the chair that not only reclines but also has the foot rest come out. That's when it fucking matters. The other times it doesn't matter. Yeah. And here's here's the real kick in the pants is like uh how do I get that? Like we okay, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, it's uh I've I've since learned like especially on those big ones, like Seattle, LA, uh the big the big long direct ones, I try to ask like what kind of airplane we're getting ourselves into. And if if it's like uh one of those where you have like the nice lay down seats, I'll spend airline miles to upgrade. Every time, where I would spend a hundred dollars to upgrade my ticket, because upgrading to Comfort Plus is not worth a hundred dollars, and upgrading to first class on a regular airplane is not worth a hundred dollars unless they're going to feed you and it's longer than four hours. Yeah, but on those all those nice ones where you get the whole recliner situation and you get the old the whole business to yourself, that's that's way worth the hundred dollars. Just having that solitude, right? Just not having somebody fighting you for a fucking armrest, man. Not having a... I used to think that I don't like flying. And that's not it at all. I just don't like being stuck in a tube with 100 people. Yeah, there's some things to observe, right? And it's interesting. Like, I think for the most part, you can tell when you're flying next to someone who flies frequently. I'm that person who I always let the lady sit on the... on the You know, I let, I let the lady slash my wife, like, sit on the aisle because got to get up and use the bathroom you don't want to climb over people i get it i'll take middle seat i don't care but you get you depends on who you get sat by like 
aisle gets the aisle. Middle seat gets the armrest. Fucking window has the window, you know? Like, but you get next to those people, they're just kind of like, nope. I know you're stuck in the middle, but I'm going to have this whole right side armrest. Oh, that's my new favorite thing that Delta started doing for me. Because of my status, I always get upgraded to Comfort Plus. But then they've been upgrading me to Comfort Plus middle seat. Mm. And I've been like debating, like, and you can turn it off. You can say, don't do that if you want to. Sure. I, I just, again, it doesn't matter to me. Give me my gin and tonic. Well, I don't even like to drink on the airplane. I like to drink before. You're done with that. I, well, I mean. You're still like to piss. That's it, really, for the most part. <laughs> so when you get older, man, you're just, just like, you do weigh things and are like, all right, how long before I have to piss situation? Well, and it depends on like what I'm landing into. But like there, I mean, I love eating an edible and get on an airplane. Mm. I'll I'll eat 30 milligrams and get on an airplane and just white knuckle it out, you know? Yeah. I've uh I've done that a few times. I the problem with drinking on an airplane I've found and I've gotten I've learned to ask for doubles. So like, hey, I'll have a Woodford. And I'm like, can you make that two, please? Right? I've I've learned to to Because they don't always make it back to they, you. they don't ever make it back. Now and granted you can hit the call button, they'll come back and they'll give you whatever the fuck you want. Like they're and, and, and it won't even be like an inconvenience or anything. But you never bother with it. I should bother with it. Oh, you're sitting on Comfort Plus, you should bother with it, yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I, I mean, but again, I just, drinking on an airplane is just, I don't want to say it's beneath me, because whatever, I'll do it. But it's just not something I do as much. Normally, I just get baked, and then I'll just get on an airplane and pass out. Mm. I've, I've, uh, that's the one thing I wish, like, I wish there was a better way to sleep on an airplane. Yeah. Because I, I don't want to recline my chair because I hate it when people recline the chair on me. I'm, I feel the same way. Um, I do like the, the uh, I call it the middle school move where you take the seat tray in front of you, you fold it down, and then you just rest your arms on it and fall asleep in your arms. You mm. know, like, like you're falling asleep on your desk in middle school. Yeah. I, and I, I like that move quite a bit. That's an, that's But... Eventually, you got to wake up to put the seat in the upright position, and then you're 45 minutes to descent. I don't know why descent takes so fucking long. Too many planes, man. I don't know, man. I don't know. But I, it, to me, yeah, flying on an airplane is... is um, I've got a theory about that, but go ahead. Flying on an airplane is just a magic... It's a magic portal. Yeah. I, would, I would love if I could show up, check my luggage, go through security, and then... You know, walk up to a, a human being, hand him my ID, show who I am, and then I lay down in a the bed. They give me uh, an Ambien or a Valium or, I mean, something completely safe, melatonin, whatever. <laughs> Nothing. Don't yeah. give you, just, uh, fuck it, I'll white knuckle it. Just put me in a, in a coffin-sized box that's air-conditioned and, you know, climate-controlled and comfortable as fuck. And then load those boxes on an airplane, right? Mm -hmm. Land, take the boxes off the airplane, wait for me to wake up. Encourage me to wake up if you want to, right? You know, like, not, I'm not necessarily smelling salts. Don't be an asshole. It'd be nice though, right? But just, so you just go to sleep in a box, you wake up in a box, you get out of the box and you're in Vegas, you're in Denver, you're in Albuquerque. It's like, uh... 
That's like that's like old school teleportation. Right. I mean, like obviously, like your puddle jump situations aren't going to work very well. Yeah. But if you've Those got smaller like, boxes, but if you've got like a three hour layover in Dallas, mm-hmm. you just stay in your box for three hours, man. The, if you're not having to change planes, sure. No, no, changing planes and everything, right? Oh, they just move you. I yeah. got you. You just pay to be in the cargo hold. The the worst part about it will be that like they lost my husband. Like like you know they lost my luggage. Like they lost my husband. Yeah, you pay for the insurance <laughs> on that, right? Absolutely, right. <laughs> lost husband insurance. But no, that would be the ideal. I mean, just fuck it. Um, that's what I try to do now. I just medicate, get on the airplane. Nothing wrong with that. Get off the airplane. How do we get to talk about airplanes? I have no idea. Well, I don't know. So, Radio Unnameable. Yes. You had mentioned this to us. Last time me and you podcasted, I said we're going to watch it. I ordered it that night. And um, That's been a while. And it's a documentary about Bob Fass. Yeah, and WBAI. WBAI. And I was familiar... I was t- telling you before, right before we started recording, I was uh, familiar with Bob from the Chicago 7. Yeah. Which is, uh, there's a movie about it on Netflix, which is about the seven people who um, were held under uh, basically criminal charges for starting a riot for the uh, the DNC riots in Chicago. Yeah. In the late 60s, early 70s. Yeah. Um, and so I was familiar with with that a little bit. And I knew a little bit about what it was. And then we talked about it last time we podcast. And then I started looking it up on YouTube. And I found whole episodes of Radio Unnameable, like four or five hour episodes. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, I'll just put this on the background. I'll play video games or do other stuff. Just like I do a podcast. Or Twitch TV or just about any other medium I consume these days. Sure. You know? And quickly, like... My very first impression of like this guy was podcasting before there was podcasting. And so and now I'm convinced that we're not podcasting, we're just doing what Bob was doing. Bob called it freeform radio, so we'll call it freeform radio. We're not gonna call it podcasting anymore. Yeah. He invented it. He didn't invent it, but I mean I mean he was he was one of the early guys at least, right? Um Yeah. Radio Nameable, uh how did I find out about it? Um I believe some radio show I was listening to talked about it, maybe Ron and Fez or something like that. And it was on Netflix. I watched it and I was like, God, the guy's podcasting. Like the guy is literally the oversight. We talked about it a little bit, right? The oversight that was not there at the time, right? The oversight that pretty much any, any professional medium has now, like just when you're rocking overnights, like at a radio station, it's like it's it's akin to at a certain point in time it was akin to uh local cable, you know. Yeah. Well they even showed in the documentary the time slot he took over, the twelve AM to five AM. At twelve AM they were signing off the air. Yeah, there wasn't even like it was just it was just silence. It was just Right. They turned the turned the transmitter off. Bob's just saying, Hey, do you mind letting me turn keep the transmitter on? Yeah. And and they're like no one's out there. He's like everyone's out there. Like but, it's, it's like the best point. The document documentary opens with the best point in the world, which is 
the normal everyday nine to fiver is using the city, the town, wherever they are. Mm-hmm. And, you know, at the end of the day, they go home, but they get to come, you know, they get to come back to work, come back to life the next day and everything's clean. There's people doing that shit, especially in a big city like New York. Oh, yeah. Well, and it's right. I think every everyone who has podcasted similar to the way that me and you got into podcasting, I think. Mm-hmm. I mean, I remember being like six and seven years old and getting a tape recorder. Right? And recording like I was live on air, introducing a song and doing the weather and Yeah. Like being a, a John Boy and Billy or that I mean that was that was who was big in my market. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, whoever was big in your market, like your parents listen to them on the radio all the time in the morning, taking you to school yeah. or on the way home from school, you listen to nine and X and you listen to those different characters and you listen to. Yeah. Yeah. The morning X, the, uh, you know, the, what it was it called? The power 99 breakfast club, right, like right. all that stuff. Like that's, that was, that's seared in my, in my brain, you know, the magic morning show. And that's, and it's. Like, I can remember, like, what do you want to be when you grow up? I want to be a policeman. I want to be a fireman. I want to be a nurse. I want to be a doctor. And I was like, I want to be a radio DJ. And he was like, ha, 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 you're not going to make a lot of money doing that. And that was in 1986. I mean, I wish I had thought of it in 1986. <laughs> like, I didn't realize how. I didn't realize how, how easy it was. That's the That's the thing that you kind of showed me. Painful, right? It was like. If you want to do it, just fucking do it. Just go up there and start talking to somebody. Like, to me, I was so in my head that, like, if I wanted to do, for whatever reason, I had it in my head that if you wanted to do a job, mm. you had to graduate from high school and you had to go to college to learn how to do that job. Yeah. that Like, that was what was ingrained in me. And so, and then, and my parents told me, you can pick whatever job you want, but you got to go to high school, graduate, and then go to college and learn how to do that job. So I'm like, I want to be a radio DJ. So I got to go to college and learn how to be a radio DJ. And there's not like, you know, penultimate college programs or radio DJs. Most of it's kind of, I don't want to say it's a hustle. But it is a hustle. I went, <laughs> I went, it's a hustle. Uh, one of the first things I was told when I went to my first big market was like, why'd you go there? You know, you didn't have to do that. You didn't have to do that. Just, <laughs> just show up. Just Essentially, show up. Just because, and it looks like. And it's not what it is today, because radio today is very, very different than it was 10, 15, yeah, 20 years ago, obviously. But but it was it was clear to me, even like with Bob, right, to show up, just be there. There were volunteers that worked at the radio station. Bob himself was a volunteer that worked at the radio station. You yourself and, and talk about just showing up to the radio station and then giving you a job. And it's. And I mean, here's the thing. I was willing to do it for free too. Like that's, that's the oh, other yeah. thing. Like that's a passion, right? Like I just want to be around it. Yeah. No, that and was when me. you're young, that's easy to do. And that was me as well. I wanted to be around it. I was uh, from a very early age. I was exposed to a lot of music. I felt like I was musical, but I was also, I didn't have the talent and the hard work required to make it as a musician. Mm. So I'm like, well, if I can't make it as a musician, I want to be around musicians. Right. Yeah. I want to be a, I mean, I don't want to be a roadie, but I mean, sure, I'll do roadie work, right? I would love to be the sound engineer, the guy in the booth, the guy turning the knobs, the guy flipping the, you know. The station's got to have a producer. Right. Um, 
And so, like, but to me, I grew up listening to the. I listened. I grew up listening to different radio than you did. Like, I grew up listening to the college radio station here in town, mm-hmm. and I loved how weird it was. The weirder, the better. Yeah. And I would listen to it just so I could just just absorb the weirdness. And and listen to stuff that nobody was listening to, and just the esoteric way that the DJs would talk. And there were a couple of DJs that just ran through the motions, but there were a couple of them that like really stood out to me that were these personalities, and they really put something else into it than just telling you what you're listening to and what you heard before that, and what you heard before that, and what you heard before that. Yeah. And even myself, when I was a DJ there, I found myself saying. You listen to this, and before that, you heard that, and before you had, you heard that, and before that, you heard that. And there's not a lot of room to inject your personality into that. It, it just there wasn't room for it. And at the same time, like there was nobody telling you you couldn't do it either. Yeah, they were like they were they were like. Mm, suggested guidelines more than they were hard and fast rules. Yeah, like they they were like, don't make up a radio DJ name for yourself. That's cringe. Why? That's what they said. It's it's just, hey, my name's Clint. We're here. We're doing this. They're like, don't talk over music. This is at the college station? Yeah, don't talk over music. So the only people that are allowed to talk over music were quote-unquote specialty shows. So if you were a general rotation, you weren't supposed to give yourself some some weird nickname or anything like that. You weren't supposed to talk over music. And and you had, like, if you were doing rotation radio to the letter of the quote-unquote law, and there was never a law, but if you were doing rotation radio the way it was written to be done, you couldn't do it. Because, like, you had to play four songs from A, three songs from B, two songs from C, one song from local, one song from the D, the D rack. He had these like four different racks, five mm-hmm. different racks. And if you played all of that music, just playing that music took about 50 minutes. And then you had your in-between breaks, and then you had to give the weather at 15 minutes past the hour. At 30 minutes past the hour, you had to play some kind of PSA. Yeah. At 45 minutes past the hour, you had to play another PSA. And then at the top of the hour, you had to give the station ID. So if yeah. you were doing all you were supposed to do, there wasn't a time there was enough time to do everything you were supposed to do. And I guess looking back on it now, that was what it was designed for. Was if you didn't know what to do, you had a template to show you what to do. But if you wanted to have a show and you wanted to do your own thing, there was nobody really telling you you couldn't. No one was going to bust that door down. No, like, not, like, I mean, unless you were doing something really stupid. Well, you just, uh, the main thing is you had to maintain philosophy. And the station philosophy was that we are an alternative little A station. So you played, nothing got played on that station that was played on another radio station. Sure. Like, there was a big argument when um, Neil Finn, who was the lead singer of Crowded House, did a benefit concert with Eddie Vedder in Seattle. And they released a live album through that. And the live album got distributed to the radio station and got put on rotation. Mm-hmm. And there was a big hoopla about it because it was basically Neil Finn playing a lot of old crowded house hits with like people like Eddie Vedder and other people like that singing on them. 
I mean, like everybody knows these songs. Like this is not who we are. Everybody knows Eddie Vedder. Everybody knows who Neil Finn is. This isn't. This is against philosophy. This isn't who we are. Yeah. And we're like, yeah, but nobody else is playing this on the radio station. This you're not going to hear this anywhere else. Yeah. And it's so. I mean, there's always those debates and those arguments, and I think that's healthy, right? That keeps things on track, right? You have to have that resistance. You have to have that that give and take. And and Bob had that at, at WBI. I mean, he had that that resistance, that give and take. But what he had, I mean, I think I think what best showed it was it, him talking about being a neuron to a larger brain, or him being the switchboard. And that's pretty profound. I mean, that's what I mean. The ultimate terrestrial radio find is like the Thursday night or Friday night midnight one a.m. call-in show. Yeah, like you're driving cross country outside of Albuquerque, and you've you've tuned in to one hundred three point four the Buzz, and you're listening to the Smith. Yeah, with his call in show, call in you know one eight hundred two two four 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 two two, and you can you can get on the air with with Rocky. What's going on tonight? Like that. Yeah. That whole that's that's the dream. Like honestly, for someone like me and you, oh, like yeah. podcasters, that's the dream, right? I mean, that's like, why that's why Twitch is so appealing to you. I think. Yes. Yeah. Pretty much. But it's still not that. It's still not the call-in show. No, you can't. There's I, I, there's certain muscles that get flexed when you have that call-in show. When you're when when you have to paint the picture, like if you can't just pop up video and be like, "Hey, look, we found this thing on the internet." Not no. If you don't have video, you can, you got to describe it. You got to let them know what it is. Well, no, but I would love still even like a Twitch show. Like if you could run a Twitch show with like a, I don't want to say a fake or bogus, but like a, a dedicated Google telephone number, for example. Yeah. The lines are open. Call in. And have people call in on the telephone and you pick it up and you talk to them like me and you are talking. I've thought about like... The logistics behind running something like that through Discord, right? Where you would have what you would have, like, and most call-in shows, right? You have some kind of show producer who's screening calls, and then they're feeding the calls to the show host with notes. So, like, you would have two chat, you would always have two different Discord chats, right? Mm. Or three, I think. You would have the waiting room, people who want to join. You would have the screening room where your producer's screening, the. they would... Invite one person from from that room into the screening room. Talk to them about what they want to talk about. Get their get their vibe. Be the gatekeeper, so to speak, and then message the guy running the show. Hey, I'm you know so and so is joining. Here's a little bit about them. Yeah, and then send it to you. Um, but, I. But that would just require so much moder. That would require almost three people at least, right? You'd have the showrunner, the person doing the talking and all that, the interacting yeah. talent, so to speak. You'd have the producer, and you would have to have somebody else modding the channel that you're in to kick people out or whatnot or what whatever needs to be done. <sighs> There's a way to do it, um, and I've considered it because, I mean, Discord's kind of brilliant in the way they do their voice channeling stuff. You can hide where the main stuff is and then you could but you can drag people that are in other rooms into it with you right i've thought about doing it i still think about doing it i know that there's risks as far as like 
you know, people could jump in and say stupid shit. But I mean, well, the, the, there's two scary things, right? The first scary thing is the stupid one, like just people being trolls. Sure. And just trying to say stupid shit and get you canceled on air or whatever, right? Right, right. And that's that's a stupid fear because that is what it is, whatever, yeah. right? They do it. They do it to C-SPAN. Like, come on. Yeah. <laughs> You're not going to get away from it. Right. Sure. The scarier thing is like, the scarier thing is the 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 main cliche. It's this this the one thing that's run to ground with every entertainment thing that we ever watch when there's a call-in show. Yeah. Right. Is that one call? Bob talked about that call. The guy committing suicide. Right. Yeah. As as just a Joe Blow, me and you, and our only talent is the ability to bullshit and talk on a microphone. Yeah. And if we're presented with someone with a real problem, like we're totally not qualified to even just. I mean that that's why like well, things, I, I guess that's why like like the Doctor Drew show. But the, but uh, before we Maybe, get to but anyway. Doctor Drew show like but in that point in the documentary, it's very abundantly clear that Bob's not Bob Fassett wasn't wasn't equipped to deal with that either, right? He just kept talking to the guy. Like he didn't, you know, toward the end, you know, he's like, hey man, stand up. Let's, you know, what's your name? Like stuff like that. But he just, all he was doing was like pushing the conversation along. Just keep the guy talking, keep the guy talking. Right. But it but, was, it was surprising to me. And again, it was the documentary. We weren't giving him everything. Right. Sure. But like, that's the only call that that ever happened to him. The years and years and years he was on the line. Oh yeah, I'm sure. But that was probably, that was probably the most. Maybe the one they found amongst all the tapes, but maybe oh, and still the one like that stood out to him probably as well. Yeah. And I don't know, man. Like I think it's it's interesting because like he just kept that guy talking, right? And like I'm th- I'm sure at the same time he knows he like he was even telling you in the documentary, like he's trying to figure out what to do, you know. He's getting trying to get bits of information about the guy. It took them like what do you say three hours? It took eight hours. Eight hours to trace the call. Yeah, to to figure out where this guy was and like, I don't know. Like I I've kind of without before even watching that documentary, right? I'm trying to think time level timeline wise. No, I would have watched it before, but. On a low level, like when you have someone come into a Twitch channel and they're just like being a shithead. I mean, there's some nights where I'm just like, all right, we're just going to ban this guy. There's some nights where I'm kind of like, what's what the fuck's going on, man? Like, I like that because I've turned people around. Like, there's been people that I've turned around and like all of a sudden they're there all the time. Well, I mean, that's every bully I've ever had. That mm-hmm. I've gotten to a fight with. Yeah. Afterwards, we're we're cool, right? And and I think that's any troll, any bully, when you just confront them, I'm like, what's what's going on, bud? Well, yeah. There's that. There's there there's that whole thing. There's you know, fight it out, see what happens, and then there's, I mean, you hear it all the time. It's like I had to be the funny guy so I didn't get beat up. Like I just make them laugh make them laugh and they'll leave you alone, you know, or they'll, they'll think you're the funny guy. You hear that from comedians all the time. You know, I, I just learned to take an ass whooping. I didn't. If if you, if you prove to them that you are willing to take an ass beating, 
it's not messing with you. Because it's like this this guy now it hurts to make fun of this guy. Like I'm gonna win this fight, but it's gonna suck. And I just would rather not. Well was, I was never interested in getting my ass beat. So I went the route of like I'm just gonna be nice to everyone. Like I'm gonna be or like not that I was like overly like bending over backwards for people, but I'm just kinda you know, I I I can think of a couple times that I was even in like what you might call a fight, you know? I just never was I, I don't know. I just would talk my way out of things. <laughs> I don't know. I would talk my way out of things. You looking back in high school and middle school and all that, you seem to have figured it out a little bit before the rest of us. Just just figured out how to stick to yourself. I mean, you've always kind of been an, an introverted kind of guy. And and I felt like just you just you've For whatever reason, you figured out how to fly under the radar. I, that's what I kind like at first. That's what I wanted to do was fly under the radar. Oh, by all intents and purposes, I should have had my ass beat all the time. I was a Marilyn Manson. I was like, like oh, you were goth, I was a goth kid. kid. I was one yeah, of yeah, like yeah. a few. Like it wasn't all, oh, even I, a lot. You, yeah, you love you love professional. If I was describe you in high school, you love professional wrestling, mm. loud alternative music, mm. and and black. Yeah. That that's I mean, and and there's uh, there's nothing wrong clothes with clothes and people. <laughs> What's up? Clothes and people. Yes, <laughs> clothes and people. <laughs> Not that there's. But a I was never of... at odds. I, I I was just never at odds with anyone. Uh, like I just didn't. I couldn't manage to fly under the radar. So um, when I found that when I when I realized that being introvert and quiet and just letting it roll off the bat kind of thing was not going to work for me. And so then I I found out that if I was loud and obnoxious and in your face, it was way more work than it was worth. Yeah. I, I, I mean, like, I would say that I would definitely, I, I observed a lot more. I yeah. mean, I wasn't, I was introvert in a way, but at the same time, like I loved debate. I loved current issues. I loved I loved yeah. like how the, when there's a classroom discussion and me being like, uh-huh. yeah, but not everyone's a Christian, <laughs> you know, just that little, just throwing that little, that little grenade yeah. I, I, into I, the thing. I, I wouldn't say it like being an edgelord, but it was, yeah. Dude, it's just, it was just forcing people to think differently. And, well, was, and we grew up in a very right wing community, right wing community, easily shocked, um, and and I think upper that, middle class. Well, right? and, I mean, it was. Uh, I mean, I don't kid myself in the fact that I. Our parents, I, I'll say this. Yeah, for sure. Sure. My parents picked where I live based on the schools and what was in front of us. So, I, I mean, I think that was most people. That was most people we went to school with. Right, I and mean, it's like, still kind of a. It's what's wild is. And I know this isn't just limited to where we live, uh-huh. but what's wild is I think that that's still something that happens everywhere, right? So where I live, you know, not to get into specifics, where I live is considered like, ooh, you're going to let your kid go to that school, right. that school system, blah, blah, blah. But in my head, I'm like, motherfucker, I like know people who teach in that school system and they're great people. Like, I know people that I work with, their kids go to that school system. I think it's really just a mental thing where, well, it's the rich people who can move 
to a school they perceive better will do so. Yeah, and or the, who can just and the poor buy a people house who can't <laughs> this, these days. <laughs> yeah, and the poor people who cannot move are going to stay where they're at. Yeah, and so yes, and even even more so, like now that the the county that we went to school in has grown. Mm. When we were there, there was one elementary school, one intermediate school, one middle school, one high school for the county. Now at the early stages. Now there's like we saw them multiply as we got older, right? There's two high. We schools. had one school for fourth and fifth grade, just yeah. fourth and fifth grade. Yeah, and it's, that was because of us. It's it's grown and it's 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 um, and now you can even tell where like there is there's the older school, and then there's where like the newer, more affluent side of town or side of the county. Isn't the older school the the more affluent one though, or is it is it the? I thought the newer school was closer to the like the boonies. Well, it's in the boonies, but it's where all the rich folks live. That's true. I guess if you drive out that way now, it's I mean, like, you got the country tons, club out there. You've there's got, tons of big, crazy, gaudy fucking neighborhoods now. Yeah, it all eats dicks, is what I'm trying to say. It's, but it's to me, it's a. The biggest problem with the education system in our country is it's based on where you live and how unfair that can be. And how do how do you give children the same opportunity to be tr- to be treated and educated by some of the most amazing educators that me and you had an opportunity to to experience. We had good and bad teachers. Oh yeah. But I think we had great teachers for the most part. Oh, yeah. We uh, we had good teachers. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, like teachers that influenced you and and spent time and like you felt like made a difference in your life. There, there, are, there are teachers in our high school, if you think about it, that did that for you. Did that for me, did that for all of us in that high school. Yeah. And then there are kids who go to high school that don't have that same feeling because they went and because because they have a different zip code. And and it's it's how do you how do you encourage someone to take less pay and work at a more demanding school? Um, like that doesn't. I mean, that's how do you encourage? And I mean, I'm not. I'm. There's no answers. I'm not well, asking for answers. A- but I'm just telling you, like to me, having a, a a mother and a wife that's an educator, seeing my kids go through educating the education system and, and it's just the whole thing just seems incredibly unfair. It does. Like it's almost like, like in some places way, you get, you get like a private school education just because of where you live. And I'm okay with life not being fair all the time. Sure. I'm okay with getting kicked in the dick by life on a regular basis. That's fine. But I'm an adult. Like I just really hate that. Like you're eight years old. And to no fault of your own, you're going to get life's going to kick you in the ass. It's interesting because it's something that spans generations at this point, right? Um, Because even in just normal conversation with my folks, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Talking about my kid and all that stuff. And, you know, they're like, oh, well, I mean, you don't really have to worry about it until she gets to middle school age. And I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. Like, I know what you're talking about, but I, I like I like to make them uncomfortable. I was like, what do you mean? Well, you know, you wanted to be in a better 
school district. And I was like, well, what do you know about this school district? <laughs> and, and here's the thing, like, it's just, it's just, there's something inside of me that's just kind of like, and you know, my friend, you met Poteet, my mm -hmm. friend Poteet very much was very picky about where his kid went to even just preschool daycare. Like he was like, I don't, you know, we, he's like, we went and visited daycares and I could tell when I went into certain ones where I was kind of like, no, there's no diversity here. Like you want, you want your, he's like, he's like, I wanted my kid to grow up knowing that there were people that weren't white, knowing that there were people that weren't. So it's like, you have to find that balance of taking care of your kid, put them in somewhere safe, but also like having that reality of knowing that, okay, there are, there are, there's a very broad spectrum as to how people live their life. Right. And I think I was fortunate. And I think even though, even though we went to the, to the school district we went to, the people I hung out with were at all different levels. Mm -hmm. You know, I was friends with people who were, living in single wide trailers. I was friends with people who were living in very big fucking houses. I was, you know, and you get to do those, you know, spend the night type things. And you're like, Oh shit. Like you could live like this, but it never crossed my mind. Like I never looked at it. Like, cause I mean, cause I, I spent most of my time in, in, in that County is in living in a double wide trailer in the middle of nowhere, in the middle of a field. Right. So it was kind of one of those things where like, it never, it never dawned on me like, okay, well, this is low income or this is this or that. Like it was more like, you know, oh shit, this motherfucker's got all the snacks. Like, or, <laughs> oh shit, this mother, this, his parents don't care what we watch. Like it's, it's, it was right. that. And it was, I don't know. Like it's sometimes I feel like you may feel different. You've got a couple kids. Like I feel like there's merit in allowing your kids to be around people that are in those different socioeconomical situations because it's like traveling to a country where there's a lot of poor people because they get to have some empathy and see that, Oh, not everybody gets what I get or, or some people get more than what I get. Like to have that spread to see that is way, way important. Yeah. I, I, I agree. But I think it, it comes down to more like jazz versus like arranged classical music okay. and, and that arranged classical music, you're talking about having a plan. Like I want to plan these things out so that my kid gets these experiences. I want to do things to make sure that my kid knows that there are black people in this world. There are Asian people in this world. That's yeah. fine. Whatever. Right. Having that plan. But to me, it's more like playing jazz. You, you set yourself up with a, a pretty good melody and then you just variation on the theme. You just you just try to keep the music going, keep it yeah. sounding good. And after the fact, you can talk about like those decisions I made were pretty good. That was you know that was that worked really well. Or I don't think we did the right thing here. You can you can talk you can have that retrospective, but or introspection, I guess. But raising kids, it's it's just trying. Like I can remember. In the fifth grade, I was in three different schools same year. We moved from one school that I had been at since I was in like the first, the, the second grade. I was in one school system since I was in second grade. We moved out of that school system in the fifth grade to a new school system. I stayed there for five months and then moved out of that school system into a different school system and then stayed there until I graduated high school. 
But that one year, I was in three different school systems. And it was like I had no friends, trying to make friends, trying to connect. I was a dorky, buck tooth, big fucking thick glasses. I was, I was a weird looking kid. And uh, it was rough. And so like just you just think about your childhood and then you think about your kids in front of you. And you're like just as long as they don't have to experience those parts of childhood, right? Yeah. And then you see your kid experiencing that part of childhood. You see your kid getting bullied at stuff like at a daycare or something. And you're like, fuck. Like everybody said this is the best daycare in town. And I can't I can't keep her here. She's getting bullied. She hates it. And there was n- and when that happened to me, when I, mean, I was stuck in daycare getting bullied, there was nothing more than I wanted than my parents to pull me out of there and just put me anywhere else. Working, working at a shirt factory, pulling thread through bobbins. I didn't care, just not there. So as soon as she came to us with that, I told my wife, I was like, we got to get her out. Pick someplace else. I don't care how much it costs, whatever. Just get her out. And we did, and quality of life improved. And it, was, it was the right thing to do. So, I mean, now my daughter, she's a, you know, a teenager. She's in middle school. She has friends. She's going to sleepover. She's having a friend over for a sleepover. And I, I couldn't be happier. It just just the fact that like she's she's found her niche of people. She's found the people that are weird like her. Right? Because we're all weird. If you're a cheerleader, you're weird. Like that's everybody's a nerd for something. Yeah, that's that's an unreasonable amount of excitedness and yeah. blonde hair. <laughs> Everybody's a nerd for something, but I mean, it's, you said, you said honestly that, I I, I don't know if I'm remembering this right. You said, honestly, like you feel like the fact that the pandemic and zoom was a thing helped your kid a lot. Oh, my kids. Like just, just to connect with people because there wasn't like that weirdness of being in front of them physically. It kind of tore some walls down so you could actually have a conversation and. Well, it was. To me, it was just that my kids were like presented with an obstacle and they found solutions. Like you you heard those stories like my kids are away from school and they're driving me crazy and they're not getting this and they're not getting that. Yeah. My daughter, like they have, they gave them all Chromebooks. They all have like this Google classroom thing set up. So they all have Gmail accounts through Google and all that. And Google has it locked down so they can only message people in certain domains. My daughter found that out. And so she started then messaging her classmates. And then they would respond. And then she found out you, you press the same button that you press for the teacher with your classmate. And then the two of you guys are talking. And then she was like talking to her friend from school and she was carrying the laptop around with her. And like they'd sit down and eat snack together. And then she'd pick the laptop up and then go outside. And, like, they were running around outside finding sticks and then bringing sticks to the laptop and showing each other the sticks that they found. Like, Sure. Kid stuff. I saw that and I was like, the kids are going to be fine. They figured this out. And and it's, it, I don't know. It feels like there's a solidarity in going through a whole, where, where you've got an entire, an entire group right. of kids that have to go through the same exact thing. Like, it's not like it's. It's not like it's an individual, like it's one person having to go through a hardship. It's everyone having to try to right. figure out how to mentally cope with a situation that they have no control over. Well, and 
I can remember one particular occasion. Um, my daughter had messaged this uh, a particular classmate. The classmate responded. They were in a video chat together. And the parent walked by and was like, what the hell are you doing on the computer? That's not what they said, but you know what I mean. Like, what are you doing on the computer? I'm talking. Like, no, you're not. The computer's just sitting on the coffee table and you're sitting here eating your snack. What are you doing with the computer? Turn it off if you're not using it. And then closed the chat out on my daughter. Just hung up on her kind of thing. Just didn't understand. And and the, the parent just had no idea what was going on. And And to me, I mean, I don't know. This is probably not the best parenting thing. You're probably not going to read this in a parenting books, but I just, I let it go. Whatever. I, I think you got to give, I, and, and my kids are at that age where it needs to happen. Uh, up until a certain age, I, I think like probably till like five or six, I think you got to be kind of tight on them, right? You can't, you can't let them be wildly. You can't do the terrible twos. You can't do the, the, the horrible threes. You got to, you got to kind of like set some guardrails up. Sure. But by like five or six, you've got the guardrail set up. You've got expectations set. They they know what you expect and you know. You yeah, know. you can reason at that point a little bit, right? right. You can, you can, there'll be things they don't understand, but it's not like they're. But too... at the same time, you've set those guardrails where like screaming in public is not acceptable. Sure. Right. You've set some, some, some decorum down. Right. And There's at, a little more understanding as to the consequences for actions kind of thing. Right. And at that point, I'm more reactive than preventative. Like, now if my kid's about to go do something for the first time, I'm going to give them a heads up. Like, hey, these are the things you're going to be presented with. These are good ideas. These are bad ideas. Go have fun. Right? But at the end, at the end of the day, it's them. And I don't want to give them the opportunity to make as many safe mistakes as they can. I think that's important. I think that's really important. And so I just let it go. And I mean, and when mistakes happen, do I lose my temper and yell at them? Yeah. I'll nothing makes me lose my temper quite like the people that I love the most. You know, well, they I mean? know your buttons. They know they know your button and like and most likely something that pisses you off greatly is usually something you've talked to them several times about. Well, and you know, it's just no one can disrespect you like the people you love. Yeah. And 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 it's not their intentions to disrespect you. No. But that's what you've perceived. And it you you've perceived you've been slighted by someone who should never slight you. Right? Yeah. And that's I mean, but anyway. But I'm at the point now with my kids where I let them go and give them a, enough rope to hang themselves with and when they do I kind of like a dog on a leash. You yank it back a little bit. I think that's important, like, because if you don't allow that, like, you you open the door for some, like, very big mistakes later. I think so. But, like, the other thing that's really different, like, I remember growing up and being my son's age and probably three to four times a week I was outside riding bike. I was in the woods. We had like a creek behind the house. We were building forts. We were, had machetes chopping down trees. Remember we were, when no one knew what the fuck you were up to? <laughs> Remember oh, yeah. those days? There would be five <laughs> or six hours at a time where like I could be literally cooking meth. No one has checked on me. And no one would know it. No and, one has checked on or, me. Or, or I would be cooking meth and I would stop and pick up a phone and call my mom and go, hey, cooking I'm, at, meth. I'm at Lopez's house. Uh, we're playing video games. And she's like, okay. Uh, they're feeding me lunch, so I'm good. Okay, go back in a couple hours, and they go back to cooking math. Uh, no, 
but we never did shit like that. Like the worst we ever got into was like trespassing, probably. Oh yeah. For sure. Um hopping a fence. Yeah. Going to see what's over there. Trespassing. Going fishing uh, in a pond you shouldn't be fishing in. Shit yeah, like that. Stuff like that. Um looking at nudie mags. Yeah. Um but I mean and, and cussing or trying to. Ooh. Cussing. <laughs> Imagine that. Well, but yeah. Remember think, when you were learning to cuss or like you and your friends were like starting out and like one of your friends would just say something and it would be like, that's, that's not a, what are you, you don't put those words together. <laughs> it's uh, it's, it's pretty funny, man. Like, honestly, I, I don't know. Like there's, there, there's this weird line, right? As a, as a, as a parent, you want to walk of being like, yeah, you, of course you don't want your kid to get hurt. Of course you don't want, you know, any of that. No one does. Right. But. I think that there is a divergence between some parents where they're kind of like they either don't pay enough attention, they don't pay they pay too much attention, but like I, I what I'm trying my best not to do is like you 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 see your kid grow up and my kid's not even quite 2 yet and you're just like you're like they're so curious about everything and you want to be like how long can I keep that level of curiosity going because you want them to find out about the things they want to find out about. Well, the weirdest part about kids for me at this point is like I can remember when my daughter was like your daughter's age and we would watch movies and we had those movies that we would watch um, like over and over and over again. Like uh, the Rapunzel Disney one. What's that one? What the Tangled. Tangled. Yep. Um the Johnny Depp is a lizard. Um, Rango. Rango. Um, uh, Brad Pitt and Will Ferrell are superheroes. Um, Not the Incredibles. No, 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 no. Um, Brad Pitt. Metro Man, or uh, that was Brad Pitt's character was Metro Man, and he was Metro City, and it was a uh, uh, Mega Mind. Mega Mind. Mega Mind. Okay, yes. As well, Will Ferrell. That's mm -hmm. that's a great one, by the way. Uh, we would watch those over and over again, right? And then that would be like the the go to what we would do. And then they and like on Disney Channel, we would watch tons of uh, uh, what is that Miley Cyrus uh, show, Hannah Montana. Hannah Montana. We would watch tons of um, like Disney Channel shows like that, like just over and over and over again, tons of it. Just leave it on, and she was content. And then like. Now it's they watch like My Hero Academia and anime and like all kinds of stuff and no longer are the things that you watch over and over again like that's just just like those 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 like uh childish toys like you know you put the shapes the plastic shapes in the bucket and stuff like that sure and how they put those toys aside they'll put all that aside too and like the media and the things that entertain them and all that like there there is it's not like necessarily abrupt but there is a there's a change like their tastes like all of a sudden. Nope. I want that now. Yeah. And it's kind of as a parent, it's kind of again, the weirdest part about being a parent is that this thing in front of you is gradually changing and it's changing so slowly that you don't notice it until you look in the rearview mirror 
And you're like, holy smokes at all the different stuff. And then it's like, it makes perfect sense. Like, hell, you've been around for, you know, 13 years. Of course, like some cool shit's going to happen in 13 years. Yeah. But it's, that's all, like, that's why everybody says, like, they grow up so fast and like, hey, enjoy it while it's here, right? Because nobody, nobody, while they're in the moment raising their children, notices their children growing. There, there's milestones like talking, going to the bathroom, walking, saying "fuck you, dad." I mean, there's those mile. There are milestones in there. I'm waiting. I'm just waiting for the moment that my my kids hate my guts because I told them something. Right? I mean, you think that's unavoidable at all? Well, I mean, let's face it. You remember they're, they're your built, mom? They're built right. They're built to eventually. What no naturally wait, try wait. to be independent. Let's not talk about our kids. Let's talk about us. Sure. There was a day when your mother or your father, probably your mother though, most likely, told you to do something or got onto your ass for not doing something or or yelled at you or, or got onto you, right? And then they're either walking away from you or you're walking away from them and under your breath in your mind you're like fucking bitch. Say say that one more fucking time. Fucking don't even know what the fuck you're talking about. It wasn't my fucking fault. You, you, you have that conversation in your head. And I fucking hate you. Just, just You remember having that conversation in your head? Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure I had some moments. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think I, I, I never, I don't think I ever told them to their no, face. Obviously you don't say that out loud. You value your life. Sure. But you, we all grew up having that thought, right? Mm. So my daughter and son aren't special. Just because they get to grow up after a pandemic and the modern era of the internet and all of this other shit doesn't make them any more special than anybody else. Right? We saw that today in, in that movie, right? History just same, same. Humans are going to human, man. So there's going to come a day when my son or daughter are going to be told to do something by me or my my wife, and they're going to say under their breath, I fucking hate that person. What the fuck? They're going to have that that moment. That, yeah. It's going to happen. Ha- I mean, Usually ill-informed, but sometimes, I mean, depending on the parent, sometimes it's... Warranted? Sure. Warranted, yeah. But, I mean, like, clean your room. Whatever, bitch, right? You didn't say it, but you thought in your head, right? Like, I'll clean my room when I'm ready, ma. Get yeah. out. Which is never... Right. I mean, but that's like clean your room. Like we're not talking about eat or, you know, let me beat on you or, you know, the current political state of Palestine. It's just, pick, just clean your room. Pick your underwear pick up couple, off the ground. Pick, couple, pick, pick up your up. underwear off the fucking ground. That's it. I just don't want to see your underwear when I come into your room. Yeah. Let me see some carpet. Can I see some carpet? Just a little bit. <laughs> I paid for it. All right. I just want to know what color it is. I forgot. Yeah. <laughs> Forgetting. Slipping away. That's, I mean, that's, it's gotta be coming. And that's, that's what's, that's, what's going to break my heart because I don't know. I already know. Like I already sense, like, even though she hasn't even turned two, like I can already tell like, Oh yeah, you're really going to fucking just hurt my feelings. Not meaning to even. Oh Yeah. Like not even meaning to, because I did it. Mm-hmm. I, I and I got specific things I think about where I'm just like, I remember doing that, even though I was really young. Like I remember doing that. I was like, that couldn't have felt good. Mm-mm. 
my kids are really vocal, like really, really, really vocal. That that surprises me. I'm flabbergasted and floored after meeting you and your wife that you have a child that expresses her opinions with her words. It's I'm shocked to be honest with you. Yeah, absolutely yeah. bowled over. Yeah, I. Oh. I I, I Everybody else loves it. I can't believe it. Everybody else loves it. Of course. Teachers are just like, oh, man, we, she just tells us what's wrong. It's great. Half the class can't even do that. Oh, no. <laughs> I will say this, though. I mean, like, I, there were, when my daughter, there would be times when it would just be me and the daughter, like, sitting at the kitchen table, waiting for lunch or dinner to come to the table, and it's just me and her looking at each other. And I, I was just like. No way in hell you're going to tell me what you're thinking right now, is there? I was like, didn't think so. <laughs> didn't think so. Oh, you love them though. Mine. I had good day. I did art. You're like, all right. That's no. That's amazing. That's awesome. Every every day, every day, I have dinner with my family. Yeah. And I sit down and I look at my daughter and I go, daughter, how was your day at school? It was good. Did you do anything interesting at school today? No. Did anything interesting happen at school today? No. Is anything interesting happening at school tomorrow? No. Would you tell me if something interesting happened? No. <laughs> like, it's, what are you learning in math class? Fractions. Still fractions, huh? Yeah. It's fractions last week. I'm just trying to have a conversation, you know? Anything. Like, any, give me something. And then I go to the next one, and I go, you. You had to sit here. Your turn. <laughs> You've had to sit here for these awkward five minutes while I interrogate your sister. Perhaps you've had that time enough to think forward, knowing that these come these same questions are coming right at you. Huh? Yeah. Talking to me? <laughs> right. Precisely. And, and I, like the other day, I was like... It doesn't change, kids. Like, every day I ask you the same questions. You're like, yeah, it's kind of annoying. I'm like, I'm just having to have a conversation. So, like, maybe when something cool happens, think to yourself, Dad would love to hear about this at the dinner table. Because uh, What is that? Like, what? Why? Why can't? Why? What, do you think it's... Because at some point that flips, right? Because I've been in that situation as a kid. Like, but now I love talking to my parents. About anything. Like, do you think it's just the fact that, like, humans have that natural built in instinct as they get to certain ages where they're like, I got to start sectioning myself off. I'm an individual. Like, I need to start working on that. I don't know. I mean, like, is it insecurity into talking about what they really have going on, like, in their head? I honestly think it's just absolutely like, I think it goes back to that that adage of uh, you know like when you ask your husband what are you thinking about and he says nothing, and you're like no come on what are you thinking about like you're thinking about her tits or whatever and it's like well, I was thinking about nothing <laughs> now I'm thinking about tits <laughs> <laughs> like I, I think actually like honest to God I say hey what's going on and they're like nothing and nothing's going on I mean but I mean think about how much nothing was going on when you were that age. There really was a whole lot of nothing going on. I mean, as cool as being a kid was, it was there was a lot of boredom. There was a lot of fucking nothing happening. 
like think about the things you remember. Maybe it's just the mind's natural way of being like. Well, there's a lot of nothing that I wanted to talk to my parents about, though. Yeah, I mean, like, like you don't want like like not... to talk to your parents about Zach White kite calling girls. Right, right, right. And and you don't want to talk to your parents about like trading, you know, porn tapes. And you don't want to talk to your parents about like making plans to go smoke weed at the track. And well, so, so what do you talk to your parents about? And also, I mean, even even if you're not talking about like that kind of shit, right? Like they have, if you start talking about. Like how soon after you start talking about this TV show you're interested in, are their, are their eyes going to glaze over because they're not watching it? Oh, but they the kids will do the same thing to us though. Like they'll be watching Pokemon, and then they'll start talking about, and then they start watching like Digimon, and then this other uh, um, Yu Gi Oh. Is that the one with the cart? Anyway, they start talking about them and all these different characters. And it doesn't help that these characters all have Japanese names. Like, I'm certain that all of the names of all these characters are common names in Japan. Like, yeah. Like, you know, Chris and Steve and Tom. No, Shuki and. Yeah. Ahura and. Noko. Yeah, yeah, sure. So they're already like odd words to hear. And normal conversation anyway, but they start talking about it, and I'm like, "You're gone." But the other, the other weird thing that you find out about your kids is just how well they pay attention. And I can't imagine, like, as as mine gets older, she's a steel trap right now. And and how much you have influence without like trying to be influential. Yeah. That's something I'm paranoid about. I, I get paranoid about like, well, like, and I don't want to turn this into like, obviously hours of parent talk, but like, I get paranoid about the fact that like, I don't like, not that I'm paranoid, but I just, I just don't want to interrupt, interrupt that train of thought. You know what I'm saying? Like I, I want to make how I feel known, but I don't want to be like, this is how you should think. You should be thinking like this. I don't like. I'm very sensitive to that. Um, I've got a lot. I've got a little time before that. I say a lot, but I got a little time before that. But but what you'll find is the easiest thing that I found to do with that with my kids is just ask them questions. And what you'll you'll find what I found was that your kids pay attention to the conversations you have with other adults. So you may think that you're having a boring conversation about dividends and shorting stocks and the economy with other adults, but the kids are paying attention. They may not understand 100% what's going on, but they're paying attention. And my kids, for example, were able to form opinions pretty quickly. Uh, for example, uh, one night, and we weren't talking about politics, but... Uh, the, the television was on, the news was going, and they were talking about Donald Trump. My daughter said, I don't like Donald Trump. And I thought that was well, not surprising, maybe, but it, it took me off guard because we don't talk about politics with our kids. It's not necessary. Yeah. Our kids, well, I'll continue and tell you why it's not necessary. And I said, well, why don't you like Donald Trump? And I was like, 
because he's separating children from their parents at the border. That doesn't seem very nice at all. And I was like, here we've this got... This is when he was president then. Yeah, like here we've got an eight-year-old who clearly uh, can figure out, you know, don't separate parents from... Uh, Kids? Well, they they think they they. I mean, it's easy to play. Like, it's easy to really em- have that empathy, em- right? Empathy like to be with like those kids, like to be like that would suck. I wouldn't be like separated that. Separated from my parents and sure. have to like sleep in a cage with a space blanket with other kids. Like that immediately just struck home to them or to my daughter at the very least, and she understood it and she was able to articulate exactly what she had an opinion about. And they big readers. <laughs> <laughs> my daughter, my kids read. No, no. Okay. No Re- reading is that age seems like of the, by the time I was reading a lot, but still reading is not important anymore in schools. It's not reading is not taught the same way it was taught to us. It's not. If you can't read, they'll make the, they have ways of making, uh, cause all the tests are computerized. So if you can't read, they'll read the test to you. Right. So if you can't read, they're not going to let that hold you back from testing you on like math, science, and all this other stuff. Where with us, if we couldn't read the history test. You failed. We, we failed reading and history. Yeah. So it's, reading's very different now. Especially uh-huh. especially with text-to-speech and mixed media and all this other stuff. It's very, my, my kids listen to more audio books than they do read books. And, I, and I'm fine with either one because it's. You think the same level of... uh, At the end of the day, as long as you're being exposed to to, to, uh, vocabulary. Sure. Especially at that age, to whatever. Well, I mean, they say that's like super important right in the beginning, like even even before they understand really what's going on, just to keep talking to them and reading, talking to them and reading, because... Well, it's... It's hearing those things, like reading the same story over and over again. Like you start making What I've discovered with my kids is it's vocabulary words. So your children will use the words that you use. That's not a far stretch. I'm sure. not, not doing anything revolutionary here as far as what I'm describing. So when you use those five-cent words, when you use those, I would say, complex words, your kids will use those same words. But even though they're these five-cent words or these, these complex words, they also use them in the correct context. And I don't think that my kids 100% understand the meaning of all the words that I tell them. And I don't think they understand or 100% all the meanings of the words that they use. But they learn words in context and then can recite it in that context. Context and... Uh, and um I don't know, like, what's the word I'm looking for? Context and just, just in, in. But they, they surprise me all the time about what they pay attention to and, and how they're able tone, to. Tone, tone what I was looking for. Sorry. Precisely. Yes. Sorry. And like when you say, I don't want you to pontificate to me like that. They'll be like, I don't know what pontificate means, but I'm sure it means like something. <laughs> this is negative. Yeah. yeah this is a, Don't pontificate to me. They'll do that to, like down the road or something like that. But it's um. so like, and again, like I, I'm growing up, the dinner table was that was that was where you had those conversations. Right. That's where I talked to my mom and my dad every night. 
we, we sat there for 45 minutes. We had a meal. We had a conversation. Sometimes you think they still felt like you were giving them nothing, though. Of course, I was giving them nothing. Sure. Um, but but we were included in the conversation. Like it wasn't a, a seen and not heard situation. Yeah. And and the kids now they participate in the conversation, and we can have uh, silly, lackadaisical conversations about like you know, do you think vampires have a favorite blood type? Um. Oh, negative. Do Do you think that like vampires treat people like we treat culture and food? Like, do you think Mexicans taste differently than Germans? Like, we have silly conversations. They got to taste better. I'm not going <laughs> to lie. <laughs> I mean, there's no way, right? There's like, no way they don't taste better. Like, are they, are they, who am the spicy? Yeah, a little tahine in there, man. <laughs> Come on. Hey, let's but, take a quick break. I, I yeah. got I to gotta piss. Let's grab another drink, oh, and yeah. uh, we'll continue this.